0: This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Hewitt is my hero. Jay oh. Puter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports. Oh, we're going to do you a on not really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does. Though. Brought to you by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Hewitt and Mike Salk. Hello! Hello. Nobody wants to trade up Brock for whatever reason. Huh. I mean, I don't want to trade up like none of our peeps. I don't know. A little poll. I, I, yeah. you, I know you're sort of a poll guy, but yeah. I've been throwing out some polls here. Nobody wants to trade up for the quarterback. We've been out a
1: lot of polls lately.
0: What? I know. Yep. What if you love one of the quarterbacks who's going to be available or who isn't going to be available for you at number five? Why wouldn't mm-hmm. you trade up? You mm-hmm. certainly have the resources for it. What if you love Bryce Young and think that he is head and shoulders above everybody else in this draft class and that he is a legitimate franchise quarterback? This is the guy. Shouldn't you try to trade up for him?
1: Give up a your other one, give up a two, and give up next year's one, depending.
0: I don't know how much it would cost to get there.
1: That's about what it was. I was looking at Dame Brugler from the Athletic yeah. and, and he had Anthony Richardson going four. I
0: mean that's a lot. There's no and doubt Jane about
1: Cartler, it. Jalen Carter going five. And that's for for Indy to come up to one. Now that was to come up to one, but to get your guy, to make sure nobody else gets him, right? To get your guy, and that's about what it was What for- if
0: your guy is CJ Stroud? And uh we already see some you know somebody trades up with one or maybe she, nobody trades up for one and Chicago drafts Anderson at one and the next thing you know someone trades up to two or Houston just takes somebody at two they take Bryce Young, but the person you love is CJ Stroud. Mm-hmm. do you trade up to three mm-hmm. to try to get him you don't have to give up as much to get to three as you would have nope. to give up to get to one so again, I'm not saying that this is the answer and this is what the Seahawks should do. But if John Schneider's in love with one of these quarterbacks, don't you want him to get him?
1: Yeah, and and you get the sense from Pete when we sat down with him yesterday and you're going to hear from Pete and and John and and Gino today. They'll have their press conference and then Gino himself will be on with Bump and Stacy, which will be awesome just following us today. Um but you will uh, you know, you and I felt from him parsing him a little that, that he likes these dudes, mm-hmm. that, it, that it was not a show. I think over 12, 13 years of sitting with him, there's there's times that, that we know, and you referenced it yesterday, like, oh, no, Mike, no, no, it's it's not the scheme. We don't have to – no, it's not the player. It, it actually is both of those things. It is the scheme and the players that, that we can kind of cut through afterwards and know when he's protecting guys, right, when he's covering for guys, when he's covering for for Richard and for Russ and all the guys that he had, had to do over the years and, and juggle those balls. Sitting with him the other day, it was pretty evident that they do they do love this number five pick for that reason. Mm-hmm. They can get what they want. They have, they'll, they'll have a pretty good idea of, of what people are going to do around them. And they don't have to sort out, like, oh, I don't know, 24 different picks ahead of them. Right. There's only four. And to your point, if they do really want somebody, they've got ammo with another first-round pick, two second-round picks. Obviously, they're picked next year. And they've shown that when they love somebody, they'll go after them, yep. and they will be aggressive.
0: Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not like advocating trading up, and I don't know whether any of those guys that who will go ahead of number five are true. You know, franchise quarterbacks that are worth it. But it's at least something that should be in consideration. Essentially, everything should be in consideration yes. right now for the Seahawks.
1: Yeah, and I told you that that some of the consensus and, and Pete kind of hit on this as well. There's a lot of very good players. Are there elite, bona fide dudes after seven or eight? Not necessarily, right? So if there's a lot of really good dudes, ten through fifty, call it right, of corners especially, and tight ends especially, and pass rushers especially, and and, and talented guys there, then then how valuable is number twenty mm-hmm. two? How willing if if you think there is elite and great yep. and just program changing, as Matt Stinchcombe would say. Then you've got to have the guts to go up and get them yeah. because you don't ever want to be picking five again. You don't want to ever be well, sitting in Well, that's why his his I keep saying, seat. well,
0: next year, it's fine. You're just going to get Caleb Williams. I'm like What? You're you expecting this to be the worst team in the league next year after you just re-signed Geno Smith? Uh, no. No. Nope. Well, I'm not expecting that. So, no, this is your unique opportunity. No, and the only reason
1: you have this is because Russell imploded in right. Denver. That's right. You have 20. Right, even in a rebuild year, you you still have twenty, and and I don't think you know you're going to ever we, see a
0: pick we barely even want to talk about. That's we're right. essentially we're essentially spitting on the number twenty pick. All right, before we get to the draft, though, Brock, the Seahawks are going to have to do something on Monday. That is when the legal tampering period opens up two days before the start of free agency. You are John Schneider. The window opens. Mm. Who's your first call? Bobby. Bobby's your first call. Yeah,
1: for for a multitude of reasons, not not just because he's my first call because I I need to get him. He's my first call to to take the temperature to see where things are at. You don't need to wait for that. That that's right, and that's kind of a point I want to make. You don't as need well. to
0: make. You don't need to wait for so y- the. Yesterday for
1: Bobby. Correct. You and I were talking yesterday, and I said, "Hey, you know, today, yesterday, we can start making few, for those players that have been released. You can already make those calls, right? Right? So." That's, that is who I was hinting at when it came to Bobby Wagner that maybe they have made that call and made that call yesterday. So I, I think he's a sounding board. I think you, you take his temperature of, of where you're at, of, of the consideration that he may or may not have in Seattle and you do right by Bobby mm-hmm. because you did not do right by him and letting him go. Right. When, when Pete shared with us the other day of, gosh, you know, I, I don't always get it right. And, and I want to be the one to call. If you remember last year when they let him go, that was just not, it was just not done particularly well. So I would love to see that first call made to him and just take his temperature and see where he's at. And if he would consider coming back here. And he's not, he's not the big splash. He's not the megastar. He's not Javon Hargraves. The other call you do make is to Draymond Jones. So th- those would be probably the first, hmm. I think Harv going to have five or six bidders and he's going to get to That's a fine. number that he, is just, yeah,
0: he should be much. your first call though, Brock. I'm sorry. I, I appreciate the Bobby thing. And maybe you're able to do that ahead of time because he's released and you can make a call and have that conversation and check in. And if it works out with Bobby, that would be really cool to see a reunion here, but let's be clear. In a draft that is woefully short on defensive tackles and a team that desperately needs beef up front on defense, Mm -hmm. your Mm -hmm. first call has to be. To Javon Hargrave, and if it's not going to work out, fine. But that's got to be your first call, and the moment that call is done, it's got to be to Draymond Jones. You've got to be in touch, and in all likelihood, while you're calling Hargrave, your first lieutenant is calling Jones. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you need to be 100 percent on the defensive tackle market right away, and maybe it doesn't necessarily work out, but doesn't that have to be your? Because if if you're not going to get one in the draft that you love. And you're not going to get one in free agency that you love. The only really other real option here is to trade for somebody, and maybe that's the plan. Maybe there's a defensive tackle out there that we're not talking about or thinking about yet that John is, who's available in place of the number 20 pick. That would be great. I, by the way, would be all in on that. But I'm sorry. Your first call has to be. To figure out the defensive tackle market,
1: yeah, it has got to be in somewhere on that list, and and all of the available guys either via free agency or possible trades. Who are the men that are two hundred and seventy plus pounds that can move people, that can impact people, that can you know they can just wreck the line of scrimmage? Because as we know, and we sat there the other day and thought about, golly, look at this roster right now. How many of those men do they have? Not many, not many. And uh, in that, that is in the name of the game. And I think in the NFC and and in this division to get back to being what you want to be to first and foremost, Mm -hmm. owning this division, uh, the way that you did in so many of those years that got you to the playoffs and got you at least as a Super Bowl contender, you have got to go through a team who at the line of scrimmage punctured you. Yeah.
0: And and, and Brock, as much as I love Bobby, et cetera. and, And you're right about trying to wrong some rights. I think there's some value to that, but those linebackers are worthless. If you don't have anybody up front, can we use the and,
1: word dependent? We have a KJ Wright show. Okay.
0: I'm just saying, no, we saw what that's... they were worth with no defensive tackles in front of them. They're not worth the money. Sorry. They're just too dependent on the guys in front of them. It's not to say I don't want a good linebacker. I'd love a great linebacker and they're playmakers and they do things to help the team. But if you don't have the beef up front, it's it's irrelevant. So that's got to be your first call, especially this year, given your needs and the lack of, of people available to try to fit those needs, both in the draft and in free agency. All right. Big day. A lot of baseball to come today. Uh, we're going to talk to Shannon Dreher and Jerry Depoto, both coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, Gino Smith is on with Bump and Stacy this morning at 1130. So make sure you're mm. listening to that. John Schneider later in the day at six o'clock with Wyman mm. and Bob. Huge day here on the station. Seattle Sports on 710 Seattle dot com need to know
1: 15 minutes past
0: every hour with Brock and Salk here's what you need to know up first well we saw Logan Gilbert Brock right after his first start I wouldn't say he looked too wild about how it went looked a little down after not making it uh, as deep as he would have liked to but a few days later I would assume he's feeling a whole lot better he was three scoreless innings against the Dodgers yesterday struck out a pair gave up just two hits and overall looked pretty darn good look it's not that I was worried I was worried But it's still nice to see, right? These young pitchers are the season. You need them to be great. And after seeing iffy outings from a few of them, yeah, I guess it's just sort of comforting to see Logan go out and do his thing. Yeah, and some dynamics have
1: changed. And in particular, that pitch clock is new and is a bit different. And you've got to get a feel for it. And in the pacing and the timing of it, you know, I was trying to imagine. And there were some times in the offseason, sulk where you know you're trying to pick up your tempo and get the ball out and and there were some different coaches with different philosophies but one program i was in you know they'd in behind on a ladder with an air horn and a stopwatch and get the ball out in less than three seconds you know and you know like you're trying to train your internal clock to get the ball out and you know just anything to take your mind off of it or think a little bit differently or feel that rhythm of it and, oh is that air horn going to blow off and oh i'm not going to give up i mean those are just things that you've got to get a feel for and you've got to get the timing of and Probably not a surprise to see George and Logan and some struggle. They're brash, you know. First couple times out, I think over time they will probably settle into the rhythm, much like these hitters and umpires have to do as well.
0: Yeah, they uh, end up finishing yesterday a two-two tie. Young uh, outfielder Alberto Rodriguez was what I guess you would A-Rod. refer to as the hero. Here's A-Rod. the pitch to Rodriguez swinging a drive deep into the gap in right center field, going and going, and this one is off the top of the wall. Rivas will score Rodriguez at third he's going to be waved in the throw in is cut off and now Rodriguez will put on the brakes at third go back to the bag at third he pumps his fists in the air and the Mariners have tied it up and one to one here in the top of the ninth inning this kid has been something Alberto
2: Rodriguez ties it and now the umpires are having a conference I wonder what the, what what is that at issue here Hey, there it is! It's a home run! The a home run. It's gone!
0: That <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a weird spot, the way it all went down. But Mariners tie 2-2. Here's the second thing you need to know. All right, still a developing situation here as we are waiting for more news to come out. But last night, it sounds like Sean, uh, Sonic's legend Sean Kemp was arrested for allegedly participating in some sort of a drive-by shooting in Tacoma during the afternoon. Responding officers determined that some altercation had occurred between two parties in vehicles. One of the drivers did fire off several rounds at the occupants of the other vehicle, and then that vehicle fled the area. This morning, David Rose, Fox 13, reporting sources close to Kemp, saying that he had property stolen from him, tracked his iPhone to Tacoma, and was shot at when he approached the vehicle, and then he shot back in self-defense. I mean, obviously, we don't know everything that happened here yet, but a very surprising bit of news, to say the least, just given everything we know about Sean Kemp.
1: Yeah, I think a couple things here. Number one, largest hands of any human I've ever shook hands with right in that studio. I mean, just a giant of a man. Number two, and much more importantly, one of the legends here in town that stayed. Right Some of these Seahawks now are doing that and that, that, that was not always the norm over the decades. Cortez Kennedy did. he stayed and made you know his home here in the Pacific Northwest. but now that Doug Baldwin and KJ and a lot of these guys are, but many haven't. Uh, Sean Kemp did. It's got a, got a restaurant there in town, has made Seattle home even after he left and played other places. a huge
0: dispensary too right in Queen right in the lower
1: Queen Anne. This, this, is, this is his home and yeah you hate to, you hate to see a headline like this yesterday
0: here's the third thing you need to know. Did you know there was a basketball team still at UW? Men's basketball team. There is, as it turns out. They were in the uh, conference tournament yesterday, and they lost in round one uh, to Colorado, who it turns out also has some sort of a NCAA basketball program. Mm. Uh, So yeah, not good. Mike Hopkins, not exactly uh, happy about how his season went.
1: You know, I take full responsibility uh, for this season. I felt like we had a chance to to really make some some steps with a lot of new guys,
2: and I just couldn't get them to where we need them to be. It was a new team. Um, had a lot of young talent so putting them together. I had a difficult deal. Really disappointed for our fans, our alumni, our ex-players, the community of
1: you know, Seattle. Um, it's not our standard.
0: So what no. now? I mean, this in and of itself wouldn't necessarily be news, but it's been, what, four years now for Hopkins? He hasn't done much. Six. It's been six years now for Hopkins. He's done exactly nothing after year one. U-Dub is on the hook for his salary, but Jim Beheim's now out at Syracuse after, what, 45 years or something like that? So 59. It's not that much. I think it's 45, 47, <laughs> something like that. Regardless. 47. Is that an opportunity? Would they want Hopkins? Salt mora and Justin,
1: iteration one and iteration two of the Brock and Salk show.
0: Which sport was I
1: most emotionally entangled and shown an immaturity? Husky hoops. <laughs> that was that was just not fitting of
0: of me. Husky hoops. I made a turn. I was like,
2: just telling Justin how much more we used to talk about.
0: Oh, them. oh! They've, they've essentially taken themselves out of the picture. Yep. It started under Romar, and it's continued under under Mike Hopkins. They've they, they've not a they've not managed to make themselves part of the conversation. Yep. So we'll see what yeah, happens it's, next.
1: It's uh it's a mess. I I've kind of intentionally made a plant-based turn and turn away from Husky men's basketball <laughs> much more into women's basketball. It's not a, for what? A because I've got you know women's basketball players, and B because just emotionally it's better for me. Seriously. I used to be, Justin, I was a loony. I mean a like stand by me. Your your dad's a loony. He's a loony. I was a loony when it came to Husky men's basketball. I mean, it it just, it it was what I cared just emotionally. I just get so wound up, you know, and that goes back to my years in Washington, you know, when they were Rip Hamilton and, you know, a little shot away from the Elite Eight with Lorenzo and runs to the Sweet 16 and tournaments at a number one seed and Isaiah Thomas and mm-hmm. cold-blooded and all of the stuff that Mike Hopkins knows is the standard that has been there over some of those decades, and it feels so Far away yeah, it from does. all of that. right Kraken will we'll
0: get back to it tonight. They're at home against Ottawa, and as I mentioned earlier, Gino Smith on with Bump and Stacey at eleven thirty. Schneider on with Wyman and Bob at six o'clock. So this week you're getting all sides of this Gino deal. Obviously, we talked to Pete, and then uh, you'll hear from the other two guys today. Uh, interesting, Brock. I was I was uh, kind of started off at six o'clock talking about this that um, the 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 websites out there, whether it was SI or Spotrac, they're full on just listing Gino as three or seventy five. They're not even messing around with that 105 number. Like, really? if you go to Spot Track and look at Geno's, they don't have all the details yet on uh, salary cap hits, right. but it just says three or 75 million. Wow. Yeah, 30 guaranteed and 40 in incentive. So wow. they obviously look at it very differently. Then uh then we have they're they're just saying twenty five million a year.
1: Well his agent I saw yesterday, I think it's a Wasserman agency, put out congrats, three years, hundred and five million. Yeah. So you know, that's kind of <laughs> kind of
0: the back and forth a- in couple, the way it goes. Couple very different ways of looking uh-huh. at the whole thing. So all right, coming up next, uh he is perhaps the most talked about man with the least uh impressive resume. That's next. Brock and salk, Seattle Sports on seven ten and seattlesports.com. dot com. You're listening to Brock and Salk.
2: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. of
0: Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports App. How much ink has been spilled and radio time spent on Jared Kelnick relative mm. to the amount of production he's had in the big leagues? It's a tough, yeah. tough ratio. Mm. But because of his massive talent, because of his still very young age, and because of his Iceman bravado. Yes, and, and intriguingness, I think that we're gonna keep talking about him because let's face it, he's such an he's he's such an interesting part of what the Mariners could do this year and in some ways the most interesting conversation on the team.
1: Okay. Before we go a step further I'm going to put this conversation on a quick pause. Okay. I feel an intervention is necessary. More Justin, I don't know if you feel equally, uh, but yeah, I feel an intervention is necessary. I'll go on. Why? This is getting to be too much. It's too much, Salk.
2: His it's killing just, the glove?
1: Nope. Not even the killing the glove. Nope. 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 That's good discussion. Uh oh. No, this is getting to be too much. Your polling is out of control. <laughs> I. I I am not quite the multitasker that you are. I'm not quite Dave Wyman. I I can at least look at two screens at once with my broad, wide eyes. But and I just turned on Twitter, Salk, You just put together another poll an hour ago.
0: I know. I told you that, that.
1: followed a poll last night. I know. I Which told followed you a poll that. in the morning. Uh, it, is no, it, it is two. It, it was only two. It is only too two polls.
0: Much. It was one last night and one Michael, this morning. Michael Brock. Well, he is the quarterback aficionado. Was, he is a stud rebel. It was only. It was only one last night. One this one, morning. Two.
1: I am three. I am just i scro- I'm scrolling down.
0: Where's I guess- your third poll? There I had one yesterday, one today. Stop! Don't exaggerate my polling. You
2: cannot I do. The, I have the perfect sound for this. Taught you how to do this stuff.
0: You are right. I learned it by watching you. It's true,
2: <laughs> Dad.
0: That's enough. I learned it from watching you, Dad.
2: <laughs> Epic polls. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, you can't have
1: an epic poll after an epic poll after. There's but I'm not a time. calling them epic.
2: Uh, they're just
0: <sighs> re- they're Seahawks draft. I threatened. You're yes. in his territory.
1: I, I do feel a little threatened. Yeah,
0: and is it because I just, my poll the other day got more clicks yeah, than your poll? Well, you did it first. Is, well,
1: I'm just yeah, saying. You, you went is first. Is it because my poll uh, yeah. had more clicks maybe than your poll? Maybe there's a little. It yep. felt. It felt like uh-huh. maybe
0: that was the problem. I That's, think I had almost ten thousand votes. Uh-huh. And you had a similar Geno poll, and it it didn't When was that, three days ago? It just kind of crashed and burned.
1: Yeah, when was that poll? Three days ago?
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, so there was a Geno poll. Uh There was a first-round quarterback poll. And then there was a a where-do-you-take-a-quarterback poll. That's all. There's just three different thoughts on on quarterbacks. All right,
2: uh, posting a poll now. Whose polls do you like more? (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm just saying be careful. Don't
1: oversaturate the market.
0: Okay. All you right? Think, That's it. You think that there's too many polls. I
1: think this is – let this one breathe for a little mm. bit. All, All right. right? And don't take something Gino said today and make another poll question out of it after bumping Stacey. Just, just easy <laughs> on the Can I, the I polls.
0: tell you, they're a little polarizing. <laughs> no. What do you mean, no? No?
1: Uh-uh. No. no. Mm-hmm. They're not
2: polarizing?
1: Nope. Nope. Natalie down uh, at Harnish.
2: Cute. Don't be lazy, guys. <laughs> Don't be lazy. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Appreciate that.
1: Natalie down at Harnish, uh, where I was yesterday, she enjoys a good pun, so maybe she liked that one. But maybe no. she did. Okay, go ahead. Back to Kelnick. Well, oh, that's
0: fine. I mean, uh, you know, now I have like a moment or two to talk about my guy. I thought you were. I thought this was going to be an intervention on Kelnick, oh. in which case I was going to turn it back around to you and be like, uh, I'm not the one who was staring at his posterior chain mm-hmm. and like with my mouth agape. Uh down in Peoria. So. Yep. That was day one. I came
1: in hot. I apologize to everybody. I kind of toned it down after that. But he is, as you said, a fascinating figure. He's mm-hmm. a fascinating figure because of how hard and how far he can hit a baseball. And as Divish said to, to Bob and Wyman the other day, this year, what's nice is he's not over swinging. He's not trying to just muscle it up, right? This was Divish earlier this week, a couple days ago with Bob and Dave talking about this little bit of an enigma.
2: When you're doing this many swing changes and this much, the, a whole shift in how you're thinking about your swing or actually thinking about your swing in a different way, all the things that he's doing to have some results. I mean, that's that's the key thing, you know. I think the big thing is, is like, yeah, the ball's going over the fence, and that's great. And but what it is is like, he's hitting the ball hard without swinging as hard as he possibly can. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like the result is this, like you know, hit the ball hard and good things will
0: happen. Don't you think every single golfer listening to this show right now is nodding their head? Yep. Every single person who's, who's our buddy played... down
1: in Florida, Tyler Fulton? Huh? Yeah, or t- Travis yeah.
0: Fulton. Travis, yep. Sorry, Travis. Yep, he absolutely is. He's nodding his head right now like, yep, when you don't swing 100%, you can hit the mm-hmm. ball just as far because you hit it in the right spot.
1: Yeah, and it is, and it's similar. I don't know if you've, how uh, deeply you've, dived into these videos that you've seen of him comparing and contrasting last year's swing to this year have you seen yeah, we, a little bit of that we did and we even had tom verducci on uh, the week you were out he came on and kind of talked through all that stuff and, that he and, and it just kind of and it's similar to a golf swing when you're all tensed up right mm-hmm. i'm gonna smack this ball and i'm gonna keep a straight left arm and i'm gonna take it back in them and it's <laughs> sorry it doesn't work right it just doesn't work when you're just mechanical like that or you're tightly bound like that yes you know, these golfers do an amazing job and the TPC starts today and Salky will be watching this afternoon and that left arm, if you're a right-handed swinger, right? How do you, how do they keep that, that straight for that long and that turn and do all that the flexibility is amazing, right? But they're not sitting there like you and I are like, okay, here we go. Straight down left right. and Right, they the just—they're nice
0: and loose yes. and relaxed, and that's right. Kelnick does look a lot more like that now. Look, we know he needs to prove it in the regular season, but when I heard some of the things Divish had to say, look, Ryan doesn't get caught up in the hype. He's not that guy. Oh, he's an anti. Quite frankly, he's much more the opposite of that, and yet he's been bragging about Kelnick a little bit.
2: I think it's a lot more complicated than that. But yeah, like that little elbow twitch that he has in the back—it's a timing mechanism. It's a way for him to not grip it so tight, not be so intense and, you know, like rigid at the plate. But you look at it, he's really balanced. You know, he just looks comfortable like in the past. It seemed like he was just like trying to find all these positions to maximize power output when he didn't really need to. So he's like just totally loaded up. Now it's just more of a, a comfortable look at the plate.
0: Which is good. I mean, he sounds very positive. Here's yeah. my thing on Kellner. I'm going to go two ways with hair, bro. I'm going to go Two well, ways. First, you steal my polls. Yep, now I'm going to steal your now line. Now you're stealing my I'm going to go. I'm going to take this. What's next? Two ways. What's next? What's next? I'm going to steal your hat and then uh, steal your girl because that's just how I am. What can I tell you? Uh, here's the first. All three major rule changes will benefit Jared Kelnick. All three major rule changes should benefit Jared Kelnick. The shift you heard Scott Service. If you, if you haven't read Shannon's piece uh, yesterday at seattlesports.com, please do. She'll join us in 20 minutes. Go read Shannon's piece on what Scott Service said about Kelnick going one for three with a little dribbler through the right side. He's like, are you kidding me? If that ball doesn't get through, he's 0 for three. He goes home thinking about how bad he is, et cetera. But instead, a ball that would have been trapped by the shift gets through between the first and second baseman. And the next thing you know, he's one for three. And he's had a pretty good day. He's a 333 hitter that day. Mm -hmm. It wasn't perfect, but he's not going home kicking things. He's like, all right, I won one for three. I'll come back and do it tomorrow. So, A, he'll get more hits. B, it should help his mentality. Second rule change, the clock. We already talked about this. He doesn't have time to stew. He doesn't have time to get mad. He doesn't have time to overthink things in the box, as you were talking about, Brock, like at a, in a golf swing. Mm. Sorry, man, you got to get up there. Like Justin last week when it was go as quickly as Seriously. you can to hit your approach <laughs> shot, and he hit the best shot of the day. That's That's how I do Wordle, too. I mean, when he Just ran go. when he ran up <laughs> no to pressure. the tee like Happy Gilmore, yes. he hit his best shot. Just yeah. saying. So Kellnick should be helped by both of those and then the stuff to help with stealing bases, the bigger bases and the, and the limited throws. Jared's got some speed. By the way, not a great moment for Ty yesterday as he was attempting to show off some of that speed we <laughs> talked that. about. Uh-huh. He uh, didn't quite make it, so oh uh, uh-huh. for one, Ty France. I appreciate the attitude that yeah, he it was nice. Hard, That's something I always I, I heard early and I say it all the time: is well, stop thinking about it and be about it. Right. Well, he was not about it yesterday. <laughs> no, he wasn't. was he was thrown out in second base. But <laughs> yeah. so all three changes, Brock. Don't you think should help Jared Kelnick? Uh, yep, no question,
1: no question, and. I think just a comfort level. What year is this? About year three, right? I mean, up and down. Uh, in the big leagues, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be his third year in the bigs. I mean, just kind of your third taste at it. And I, I can't help but listen to that cut from Divish talking about that little just kind of elbow, you know, timing mechanism. Who else does that? Julio. You know, and, and just having that superstar in center field. And it, it was about, you know, this time last year that on podcast, you and I spent a lot of time on the psychology of, of Julio and Kelnick and how all of this is going to look and mm-hmm. can you have two superstars and right? Do you remember? I mean, we we spilled hours of that kind of deep analysis into the psychology of it. Well, now Julio is clearly established. There's, there's no more psychology to it. He's the absolute superstar. He's the effervescent, charismatic superstar. And now you go about your business, right? You're not competing with Julio. You're competing with Jared Kellnick. To be the best Jared Kelnick you can be, and a couple weeks into spring training, you really can't ask for a whole lot more right now.
0: So, uh, again, we'll talk to Shannon coming up in 20 minutes. By the way, Jerry Depoto had to move his time slot a little bit today. Uh, So we'll talk to Jerry at 9 rather than 8.30. He had some stuff going on with the minor leaguers. So Jerry will join us at uh, at 9 o'clock today, but we'll still have a normal amount of time with Jerry. Here's the other direction I wanted to go with Kelnick. What is a good year for Jared this year? And you've you've asked me this, I think, before. So I spent some time looking at his previous numbers, looking at league averages and trying to actually answer that question. Here's what I came up with. If he can hit 235, Mm. let's start there. I'm not saying that's the whole. I just wrote 240, by the way. Okay. Well, well, Do you know what league average was last year? Oh, 237, 244. Sorry. So so if he can hit 235, he's just below league average. In terms of his of, – of now, that number may go up this year because of the shift, right? And so we're sort of hoping that number gets up closer to 250. But all right. If he hits 235 and and given some of the other things I'm going to bring in here, mm-hmm. that would be just fine with me. You said mm-hmm. 240? Okay. Mm-hmm. But certainly be above 200, right? Just, just get over that Mendoza line. That would be Mendoza, number one.
1: Yeah, don't do that.
0: Number two and on base percentage, around 300. That's about what league average was last year. I think league average was like 306, 308, something like that. Just just have your on-base percentage take enough walks that you're getting on base roughly you know, three out of ten times. Mm-hmm. That would be really helpful to this team, especially as he hits somewhere near the bottom of the order. And then 25 home runs. That's my number. Why 25? He's played in 147 games in his big league career. He's got 21 home runs. Mm-hmm. So he's nearly at 25 in a season pace if he were playing 162 a season. So I don't think it's out of the question if he grows just a little bit to hit 25 home runs, even with the platoons that are likely to come his way this year because he's the left-handed part of the platoon. He gets more at-bats.
1: Yeah, see, so, I went 240-2020. Give me 20 stolen bases. Mm-hmm. Give me 20 home, run, 20 home runs and hit 240. Now, 240 would be about 100 points above what he hit last year, yep. which was 141. 168 with a career average that he has got to flush. He can't spend a minute or a second looking at the back of his baseball card, right? Those years are over, and you can't sit there and do the math and say, okay, now if I hit this, how quickly can I get my career average to 200? No, none of it. All of that is in the past and in the rear view, and you are pressing on ahead. Mm -hmm. But you give me 240, 20 bags, and 20 home runs, you are going to be a difference maker. Yeah, our numbers card.
0: aren't that far off. I mean, I, I just think he's got to get on base a little bit, but you're right. You got to set, set throwing some steals. And of course the quality defense that he brings all of a sudden, you got a really good player on your, mm-hmm. on your hands. And I like this texture here. Uh, I kind of agree with this from the five Oh nine. Doesn't it kind of feel like once he catches fire, he won't cool down. It does feel like that to me. Honestly, you're right. It does feel to me like once he's able to go on a run and just get comfortable, a real run, an extended run if he can do it for two months i think he can do it for a season and beyond so we'll see we'll see whether or not he's able to pull that off got another text that says that Heward seems to have poll envy that comes from sean mm-hmm. what's up with that well do you feel like you
1: have poll envy i mean you know me very well like there, there's no question that you put out a poll simple it was great it was a better poll than mine i'm not going to even debate that no oh. It was, Thanks,
0: it was a, very nice of you to say. Wow, I'm, I'm touched, quite frankly, a little flattered. Well, it it was, yeah, and right, I tried to go.
1: circle around and think, okay, so if he went kind of simple, let me try to go a little deeper here. Nope, doesn't work. No, the People don't want deep. Now keep it simple. Cut to the chase. Yeah. Is Jared Kielner going can be good or not. <laughs> okay, they don't want the psychology. <laughs> they don't want to know about his thighs. They don't want to hear the Iceman references. They just want to know, is he going to be good or not? Right. Is it going to be good, Salk?
0: So, he's going to be good. And you have poll envy. I think that's that's the biggest thing I've learned here. Thank you again to Sean for letting us know. Right now, we'll uh, try to get Brock back on track by asking him three questions about the NFL. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88.
2: Blue 88! Blue 88!
0: We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can.
2: Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs>
0: All right. Let me start here. This is from John Schneider, Brock, and I want you to help me understand what he's talking about here. This is something John said to Wyman and Bob.
2: It's the way our grading scale is. We've added to it, you know, since we've been here. We've adjusted some things and tweaked things along the way. But I say our grading scale is really, it's really like Al Davis, Dick Steinberg, and and Ron Wolf kind of combined, and we've added we've added a couple, you know, things to it. So it's not like you know, our grading scale. It is our grading scale, but it was developed way before we. And that includes drafting for your team, not necessarily for the league. So that's again why you know sometimes you see rankings or whatever you know in the, in, in the media. And we draft for our team. We don't draft for um, what, what the, how the league feels about people. That's where you get in trouble.
0: What does that mean? We draft for our team, not how the league feels. Does, doesn't that feel
1: like the other four-letter word? Need. I mean, we we draft for our team.
0: I don't. I didn't take it that way. You don't? No. I take it as we draft the way we view the player, not the way the league views the player. I, oh, that's totally fair. That's yes. that's all I think he's saying. Yes. We draft because we like, we have the player rated X, and if it turn or maybe that's not the right letter for the player to be rated. <laughs> but we have the player rated A. A. <laughs> yes. Sorry, it's back to the poll envy, but uh-huh. uh, I I. <laughs> You yes. don't care where everybody else has them, and that's Correct. why sometimes you end up with James Carpenter long before Brock's ever heard of him.
1: No, I think that's very clear. Like in, in baseball, right? We, they, they seem to have a pretty large consensus. What do, what do they call that? The 80... 80- in the five different tools, and they what the and they, twenty eighty scale. Yes, I mean, don't they grade though? I mean, they don't go to hundred on their players. No, they, they go they comes, to eighty. Yeah, they go to I don't, why? I don't know. Does that make is. any sense? They go from twenty to eighty.
0: Yeah, but they just
1: it. they just decided to stop at eighty and say, you know, at eighty is good. We are not going to take it all the way to hundred. And they evaluate those those five tools in baseball to an eighty scale. Football, you will see these teams do it a little differently, but you know they try to put a a grade on these guys. Right? The NFL.com, you can go look at the combine right now. Go to NFL.com and you want to search Anthony Richardson and you want to search Jalen Carter, you want to search these guys, you will see a number. He's a 6.2, he's a 6.4, he's a 6.8, you know, and these different numbers represent he could be a league starter, he should be a pro bore, he should be a difference maker, he maybe makes a team. When I was coming out of college or thinking about coming out of school, there was a group, and I think it is still used today, and this is a little what John says with the league. I think it was called BLESTO or something like that. B-L-E-S-T-O. And I had a chance to meet with agents legally. It was not illegal to meet with agents. It was, it was legal to do that and try to get a sense of where I was on this league-wide grading scale. And I'm not even talking about the letter I sent into the league that gave me a grade or or things like that. It was just a, a, a whole scouting mechanism. And it came back, and, and it was pretty decently high. You know, like, could I have left school and been a second-round pick the year before? Pot, very possibly. But decided to come back to school, and all of that was for naught. But, yes, there are consensus, kind of, I think that's what John's speaking to, that a lot of the league will look at from this kind of scouting mechanism. They don't. They trust their own numbers. Mm-hmm. They trust their own intel. They go about it incredibly privately. When I try to peel anything back and ask anybody there, it is met on deaf ears constantly because they give you nothing and you will like it until that war room when they make their selections.
0: All right. uh, Question number two. Going back to John's old theory that a quarterback needs to change the temperature in a room. Of the top five quarterbacks in this draft, okay, who changes the temperature of the room the most? Bryce
1: Miller. I think it's Bryce Miller. The smallest of them all. Kind of like Russell back in the day. 5'10 and 5'8 and this kid wasn't even that. And how he weighed 200 and some pounds, God bless him. He went potty afterwards like Strange Brew and put out a fire. Because there is no way he weighs 204 pounds. Don't give me that face.
0: That was a pretty good amount. Did you not like the Strange Brew? No, I just don't like potty. Okay. Pee? Yeah, I just I'm uncomfortable with the word potty. I don't like it. Not for an adult. You know what? When he took a leak, he put out a fire. See, I'm like better with that. that at least through. sounds like a normal thing to say.
1: There you go. There we go. I should, I should have said that. Thank I you. Apologize. I appreciate that. I
0: was trying to keep it clean for that. Yeah, but potty just sounds yeah, immature. It sounds,
1: it sounds stupid. Yeah, you're right. I, I'll own that. Because <laughs> he doesn't weigh 204 pounds or whatever he weighed. He he didn't play at that. He's not going to play at that in the in the professional level. He's going to play likely in the 190s. But the dude is larger than life. He's and from day one at Bama when he played as a freshman and he came on the scene and and I remember watching very, very closely his very first start. So he redshirted in the COVID year, got to watch Mac Jones do it, operate all those weapons and everything, and then he starts the next year, game one against Miami. Manny Diaz, top ten Miami, NFL front sevens. Who's this little itty-bitty guy out of California? And all he did was shine and shine in every single moment in that game. And it was a you know, big nationally televised game at a neutral field. And that was it. I was like, man, this guy, <laughs> he's just different. K.J. Wright sees the same thing as a linebacker. He sees the same thing. Like, that guy is just different. The way he carries himself, the way he presents himself, mm-hmm. the background so, he has with Bill O'Brien. So should and should you Steve trade up to number one to get him? No, you have too many other needs. Too many other needs. And you
0: can get a quarterback. In different ways. Mm. All right. Tip. Question number three. I'm moving past uh, that. We're not done way, talking about that. Yes.
2: fair to you, So.
0: Oh, yes, please.
2: Uh, yesterday, <laughs> Brock got on to you a little bit for calling uh, Willie Anderson, Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Uh, I thought I heard this, and then people are texting oh, it now, too. Gosh. You called him Bryce Miller, not Bryce Young. Oh, crap. When? Oh,
1: <laughs> just now? How <laughs> the turntables. Yeah, you did.
2: Because oh. I thought it was just me, but other people are texting. Oh, <laughs> come on. <that's>...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did pull How you know anything about college football? I did
1: pull Blesto out of my budget. I mean, but you're
0: supposed to know about college football. Yeah. I mean, you're like the expert. You like yeah. literally do college football. So I'm just saying. Sorry. Maybe a little grace would be uh, in order the next time I, I confuse Richardson kinda, and Anderson. I kind of like Bryce
1: Miller. Sheesh. Too. I, like I know you do. Too.
0: Question number three <laughs> uh, Where does Geno rank in the top quarterbacks of the NFC heading into 2023? Ooh. Ooh. Colin Cowherd went through this yesterday, huh? Uh, yeah. Here's a little bit from uh, from the great Colin Cowherd. Number eight, Geno Smith. Look at the numbers. Number eight. He had decent protection
2: last year. He completed 69% of his throws, almost 70. 30 touchdowns, 11 picks. He's grown up. I get size, 6'3 half, 220. He's a big kid. Hard worker. I think he's limited. I don't think he's going to make a ton of plays off script. I think a lot of his success last year was the run game, but I would put him at number eight.
0: Wow.
1: Number eight. I huh? can't do it. What do you make of number eight? Yeah, I, I would not put him at number eight. You put him higher uh, or lower? I do put him higher. Oh, and this okay. is the yeah, this is the NFC. This was just the NFC he was looking at. This isn't even Mahomes. It seems a little low. Well, you've got, yeah, and right now you got Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that's going to remain. But right now you do have Aaron Rodgers for me. I've got Stafford. I got Hurts. Carr and Cousins are right there with Geno, but they've done it over a longer period of time. And then I do have Geno. And I have Dak right behind him, and then Kyler Murray in a distance. Yeah, Kyler Murray's still four.
0: What? Yeah. Well, that doesn't that, make any sense. Well, and
1: I don't know if you saw his offensive tackle, Kelvin Beecham, who looks like he's not going to be a Cardinal anymore, finally go on the record and say, yeah, yep, yeah, Kyler's got to learn to lead, man. Right? The same thing that we've been saying for a bunch of years. He's got to take total ownership. He's trying. He's trying to grow, but that position, and when you're. What I sent to you yesterday? I think he's the third highest guarantees of quarterbacks in the NFL. It's Deshaun Watson, one, Russell, two, and Kyler, three. Not much guaranteed, though, in the $150 million-plus still. you got to own more of it. And that's still something he's got to do on top of getting healthy, on top of playing in the pocket. So I put Geno right there with Cousins and Carr.
0: All right, there you go. That is Blue 88 every morning at 745. By the way, uh, we got reports from Diana Rossini this morning that Aaron Rodgers is – Uh, having good conversations with the Jets, and there's a lot of optimism amongst the Jets folks that uh, they could get something done there, but they still have to work out a deal with the Packers. How much do you have to give up to get Aaron Rodgers right now? I mean, on one hand, he's Aaron Rodgers. On the other hand, he's old, he's expensive, and the Packers don't really want him. So, like, what's the? How much you have to give up? What do you think? The what do you think you give Uh, up for Aaron Rodgers? That's a good question. Third round pick.
1: You're taking fifty million, right, Right. off the books of Green Bay and letting them do, by all accounts, as Rich Eisen
0: said, what they want to do. So I don't see how you're giving up first round picks for him. To me, this is like a mid round pick you give up for Aaron Rodgers, if that. And maybe the backpackers eat some of the salary? Mm-hmm. Like I think it's very interesting to see how that negotiation goes, to see what yep. his actual worth really is. All right, uh, Logan Gilbert bounced back very, very well with a spectacular outing yesterday. Did he throw the new pitch? Did he throw the splitter? Was it effective? We'll ask Shannon Dreher that and more next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. SeattleSports.com.